Well, it's a joy to be here tonight. I am sorry our pastor is under the weather. Uh, I was looking forward to hearing him preach tonight. And I got a text mid-morning, said, I'm under the weather, can you maybe preach tonight? And I said, be happy to. And that means you don't have a lot of time to figure out where you're going. And I'm thankful I didn't have the problem Brother Sam had. I'm thankful that God led me right to where we're supposed to be tonight. I, I think it fits in with where our church is at this season. We just had all tithe Sunday. We have a church planners coming, uh, conference coming up next week. And we have a faith promise mission conference coming up less than two months. And I'm going to try to deal with something tonight that I don't know. A lot of preachers don't like to preach about it, but I always, I never shied away from it as a pastor. And I'm just preaching the Bible tonight. So we're going to preach about money. How about that? I want to invite you to take your Bible. Thank you, Pastor. I know he's watching my live stream tonight. I thank him for the privilege. I'm sorry he's sick. 2 Kings chapter number 4. And if you'll stand in honor of God's word tonight, we're only going to look at three verses tonight. That has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with what the time is. I know, oh, three verses. Well, that doesn't mean anything, all right? But I'm going to go back and I want to read some of the context here just when I get to preaching, you'll understand where I'm at. Uh, it starts. All right, 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to begin in verse number 38. And Elisha came again to Gilgal, and there was a dearth. A dearth is a famine in the land. And the sons of the prophet were sitting before him, and he said unto his servant, Set on the great pot and seethe pottage for the sons of the prophets. And one went out, into the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine and gathered thereof wild gourds his lap full and came and shred them into the pot of pottage for they knew them not. So they poured out for the men to eat and it came to pass as they were eating of the pottage that they cried out and said, O thou man of God, there is death in the pot and they could not eat thereof. Then he said, then bring meal, and he cast it into the pot, and he said, pour out for the people that they may eat, and there was no harm in the pot. All right, I'd love to preach that. That's not what I'm preaching tonight, but you need to know that we're dealing with prophets. We're at Gilgal, and there's a famine in the land. So look with me in verse number 42. This is our text tonight. And there came a man from Baal Shalishah, and brought the man of God bread of the first fruits, 20 loaves of barley, and full ears of corn in the husk thereof. And he said, Give unto the people that they may eat. And his servitor, his servant, said, What? Should I set this before an hundred men? He said again, Give the people that they may eat. For thus saith the Lord, don't miss this, they shall eat and shall leave thereof. So he said it before them, and they did eat and left thereof according to the word of the Lord. I'd like to preach tonight, I even changed the title around, The Sufficiency of the Sustenance that was supplied by a servant. And I know I've got a weird brain. That's how I think. But I'll tell you, a little, a little goes a long way when God's in it. And I want to show you that tonight. Father, I thank you 
I thank you for the privilege, the opportunity to stand behind the sacred desk here and to preach the Word of God tonight. God, I certainly need you this evening. I don't have anything that I can give to anybody here tonight that's going to help them, but I believe that the eternal Word of God has something to say to all of us tonight. And so I certainly pray that you would use the Word of God in our hearts tonight, in our lives, encourage us. For some, this will be uh, an encouraging sermon. For some, it may be a rebuking sermon. But God, I pray the Spirit of God would fill me and speak through me tonight and help me to very clearly communicate the truth that I believe that is in this passage. And God, I pray tonight, once again, that you'd be with our pastor. Certainly pray that you'd touch his body, you'd lift him up. We certainly want him back in the pulpit this Sunday. So bless him, I do pray tonight now, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing this evening. <clears throat> when we come to chapter 4 of the book of 2 Kings, we are arriving at a time when King Jehoram, and he was the son of Ahab. Ahab was a no-good, low-count king that brought Baalism, married Jezebel, brought all that into Israel. But this is his son that is reigning at this time in king of Israel. And if you notice, and the reason I read verse number 38 is just to get the context here. The Bible says that there was a dearth in the land. Now I want to remind you something that I think this people here tonight would very well know, and that is this, that famines were not just a part of life, but they were a judgment from God. Honestly, I'll be, I'll be very honest with you. I don't think they would ever happen if God's people had been obedient and where do you get that from, Harold? Well, I get that from Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 23 and verse number 24. God brought famine to his people because they disobeyed him. By the way, side note, not a message tonight. God's still in control of the weather. And man couldn't change it if he wanted to because God is sovereign and he controls what goes on in the weather department. Amen. So this famine here, it not only affected the disobedient, I'm talking about the people of Baal at this time that worship Baal, but this also affected God's people. It rains on the just and it rains on the unjust. And that is certainly true here in this passage. And so it was during one of those times, this particular famine here, that the prophets, they didn't have a lot of food to eat. In fact, they were very dependent upon the gifts that people gave to them to help them get through the hard times of the famine that they were facing at these times. And many times these gifts can be very small. They may not amount to very much at the time, but I'm telling you the gift that we're going to talk about tonight, it came at just the right time and God used it to work a miracle to feed his people. Now, when, when this gift came from this man we're going to talk about here in just a moment, here's what you need to understand. And, and I don't know that I'm, I'm going to just tell you, it wasn't enough food to feed the men that were at this school. It wasn't enough. But he gave what he had. And little is much when God is in it. I, I want you to see that tonight. So there are three particular situations here in these three verses I want to call to your attention. I want you to see them. I'm going to make some application along the way. And I want you to understand that whatever you give, when you give to God, it is more than sufficient to meet the need when everybody does what they're supposed to do. Now, I just want to throw this out real quick because this is in my mind. Exodus chapter 36 and verse number 6, the Bible. I've never heard of a Baptist church anywhere on this planet ever doing this. But Moses did this to the people of God. And he said, restrain the people from bringing any more because we got more than we need. 
You'll never hear a Baptist preacher say, we don't need no more offerings. We don't need more money. Just keep it to yourselves. You'll never hear that. But I learned a very important principle from that truth. And that is this. When everybody does what everybody can do, the need is more than sufficient. It is met. So I want you to notice, first of all here, I want you to notice in verse number 42, what I'm going to refer to as this gift. It is a gift that is given by this unnamed man here. So I want to set the stage here and I want you to understand this is where I'm coming from. I want to remind you tonight that every one of us here that are saved, born again, washed the blood of Jesus Christ, we are a steward of our master's gifts. We're a steward. Somebody said, what does that mean? You're a manager. Everything you have, God has allowed you to have and you get to manage it. And you're going to give account to him one day for how you have managed it. So it is your, your responsibility, it is Rocky Harrell's responsibility to invest our master's goods, if I can say it that way, his, our money and his materials so that it will prosper his work and bring him honor and glory to him by what we do. All right, so I want you to look here at verse number 42. And I want to show you some things about this man's stewardship and you may say, I don't see much there. Well, that's why we have preaching because I want to show you what this man did here. So I want you to notice, first of all, that this man was a faithful steward in what he gave to the sons of the prophets here at this time. Now think about this. In giving this gift to Elijah, to the prophets at this time, and he doesn't even give, we're not even told his name here but I'm going to tell you, he did what every godly Israelite did in that day and time. Oh, what is that, Brother Rocky? Well, in that day, and by the way, we're living a day, a time of apostasy in the nation of Israel and Baal worship. And I want to tell you that many of the godly people, they were to give their tithes, they were to give their offerings to the priest. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 3 down through verse number 5 says this, but now understand this, that the kingdom divided back in 1 Kings chapter number 12, and now you have the northern kingdom, which uh, uh, Jeroboam set up two golden calves, one in Dan and one in Bethel, and all the people left, you can read that in other parts of the Bible, they left, they went back to Jerusalem because they said, we can't stand, we can't continue to stay here in these days of apostasy, but most people just couldn't get up and leave and go somewhere else so I had to live there but they still had this obligation to give their tithes their offerings to the Lord now wait a minute hang with me so they couldn't give it to Baalism and they couldn't give it to the calf worshipers because that's not the true God but I want you to notice that this man was a godly Israelite I am convinced that he is one of the 7,000 that have not kneeled to Baal according to what God told Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19 in verse 18. And so he, it shows that this man here, he has faith in Jehovah God. He is not worshiping all the other gods. But here's what I want you to notice. He couldn't follow the letter of the law, but he followed the spirit of the law. I don't know if I understand what you mean by that, Brother Rocky here. What do, you, what do you mean by that? Well, he said, I can't give it to the priests because we don't have any priests here. I can't get it to the temple, 
But there's a man of God at Gilgal and there's a school of prophets over there and I can get it to them. And I can fulfill my obligation, although I can't do it by the letter of the law, I certainly can give it by the spirit of the law. I have a lengthy quote here. I'm just going to summarize it from Alfred Edersheim. And Alfred Edersheim said that this man, although he could not do exactly what the law said, he did not keep him from doing the spirit of the law. He found a way to do it. Now, I don't know. I'm just talking here today. Uh, but we had all tie Sunday on last Sunday, and maybe someone was absent or maybe somebody's watching by way of live stream. They said, you know, I couldn't be there last week. I guess I'll just have to wait till next year to get involved in that. No, you bring it this week. You don't wait. You don't put it off. You don't say, well, I couldn't do exactly what the pastor said last Sunday. Well, then you do it this week. You don't, you don't try to wiggle out of it. You try to find a way to do it. I had, a, I had a blessing, a, a pastor and a man in Tulsa uh, for many years. And, and, and I love this man. He's the only church member ever had that ever did this. But he, if he had to miss on a Sunday for whatever reason, he came by sometime that next week and said, Preacher, here's my tithe. I don't want to go without my tithe being paid. May his tribe increase. I'm just saying to you, this man was a faithful man, but there's something else I want you to notice about this man. I want you to notice where he's from. He's from a place called Baal Shalisha. Baal Shalisha. Now, let's just be honest when we look at this. This guy came from Baal Shalisha. That wouldn't encourage us to think that this man is going to be giving anything to Jehovah. Come on, be honest. You wouldn't think, well, this guy, he really loves God here. He's coming here. Because Belshazzar was not too far from this particular Gilgai. It was out on the plain of Sharon. And, and it was originally, listen to this, it was originally named Shalashah in 1 Samuel chapter 9 in verse number 4. But because of the evil influence of Baal worship under Ahab and Jezebel, they had taken the name Shalashah and they had added the name Baal Shalashah to it. Now, if you're sitting there saying, well, that seems weird. Oh, no. Ladies and gentlemen, within the last hundred years, it happened in this world. Right. When the Bolsheviks, when the communists took over Russia, they took St. Petersburg and they changed it into Leningrad. Now, St. Petersburg, anybody under 30 here tonight, you don't even remember that because those have been St. Petersburgs in, in your life. But there was a time, I remember growing up, it was Leningrad. And they were trying to give, they were trying to give honor to a man that was an atheist, that hated God, that hated the Bible, and they wanted to give him honor and named a city after him. But here's what I notice. In spite of the influence of Baal worship where this man came from, he still found a way to get the offering to God's people. He still found a way to be a blessing to the people of God. And I don't, I don't know, probably had friends, no doubt that he had neighbors in that day and time that served Baal. But he said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to take my offering and I'm going to give it to a place that honors God. I'm going to say more about that in just a minute. Can, can I just show you just something that God taught me many years ago as a young pastor? And a very simple truth is simply this, that you need to keep your eye on the Lord, not from the man or the individual that may be able to bless you. Because God is the one that's using this man to be a blessing to Elijah and the school of the prophets. I want you to notice something else here. I want you to notice this, this man sacrificed to give. Now, Brother Rocky, how do you know that? Well, would you notice back up there in verse number 38? 
They're in a dearth. They're in a famine. I would submit to you that giving for some people is not even easy in good times. But this unnamed man here, he was living in the midst of a famine. He was living in the midst of a dearth. And this famine had gone on long enough that it greatly affected the land of Israel and it existed long enough to make the cupboards of the sons of the prophets empty at this particular time. Sometimes, I used to pastor farmers long ago, but sometimes when the crops are small, well, let's just say it this way. Sometimes when the paycheck is not as big as we'd like it to be, The temptation is, I might need to keep that for myself. I, I, I might need to use that uh, for myself. But I want to say to you that this unnamed man here in this passage had a different spirit and he did not yield to such a temptation because he willingly gave and he gave sacrificially whether the crop was great or whether it was insignificant. It didn't matter. He still gave. Why? Because it was the right thing to do. Don't you know that inflation? Yeah, I know what inflation is. I know, but you know what? That hadn't stopped people from spending money. Joel Osteen. That hadn't stopped people from spending money. Well, I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, please listen. If God blesses you with an income and the whole bottom falls out and you still get an income, you still ought to give it to God. Because I, I, I don't know, I'm just convinced I'm not a doom and gloomer. I don't really think I am, but I think hard times are on the horizon. I think they're coming our way. I think we're going to get a lot of what we deserve. But I'm going to tell you, as long as we have an income, God still expects us to give even when it's difficult. H hang on here. And I'm talking about tithing, but I'm also talking about missions too. I haven't forgotten that. I'm going to come to that in just a little bit. But I'm just saying we can do that. And David said that he gave the supplies or he set aside the supplies for the building of the temple which Solomon eventually built. And the Bible says in 1 Chronicles chapter 22 in verse 14, he said, I did this in my trouble. It wasn't always easy for him to do it, but he did it. He gave. You know, that's exactly what the Apostle Paul commended the churches of Macedonia, talking about Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, for their, for their giving. He said it was in a great trial of affliction. The abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded into the riches of their liberality. They gave even out of the midst of their poverty. They were able to give. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 in verse number 2. And too often, too often the Lord gets tips. He doesn't get a tithe. He gets whatever's left over. I'm coming to that in just a moment. I want you to notice something else about this man. That this gift that was given was given to the representatives of the Lord. Elisha is the man of God. This is the school of the prophets here. He did not give this offering to an apostate religious system. He did not give it to the Baal worshipers. He did not give it to the calf worshipers. Listen to this. He gave it where the word of God was honored. Now, you don't have to be a rocket science to figure this out, 
But if you're a member of Southwest Baptist Church, your tithe goes right here. It doesn't go to the guy on TV or the guy on radio, God help. It goes right here where the word of God is preached, where it is honored. And ladies and gentlemen, as a member of this church, I'm just saying to you, I'm a member of this church, but as a member of this church, you have no business giving money to someone that doesn't honor and lift up the word of God. That doesn't even believe the word of God many times. And I'm just saying this man had great discernment in where he gave, the word, uh, where he gave his gift. Now I want you to notice something else here. I'm going to park here for just a second. Notice what he brought here in verse number 42. Bread of the first fruits. I want to show you two things he did here. He gave to the Lord first and he gave the Lord the best. That's what he did. And those are two very important aspects of giving which reveal the heart of a giver. Because giving to God reveals where our priorities are and the Lord has the priority. Let me say it this way. He has the first place, not self. Jesus said, Sermon them out, Matthew 6, 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And too often, the Lord doesn't get the first fruits he gets the leftovers. Now, I've, I've been this way for many years. And I, as a pastor, I told our people, uh, when, I get, when I get paid, before ONG gets their bill, before uh, OG&E gets their bill, before the mortgage gets their bill, the first, the, first the first check I write goes to Southwest Baptist Church. That's the first check. Why? It's the first fruits. I, I've known people, well, no preacher, I had to pay my mortgage and I had to pay the credit card bill and I had to pay the gas bill and I had to pay the, I just don't have any money left over. If you give to God first and if you give him best, you'll have more than you need. How do you know that? I believe the book and the, I'm telling you, I'm living proof of that. God is blessed because he gets first place and he gets the very best and that's what the first fruits represent here. And may I remind you tonight that God has little use for such gifts that are broken or worn out or left over. Hey, I pastored long enough. I've seen people say, now preacher, we don't need this. I know it's broken. I know it doesn't work, but we thought the Lord could use it at church. <laughs> but there are people that think that way. But there are also people that think this way. My first church in Kansas, I still remember, well-to-do family. And they said, now, Pastor, we're buying this and we're buying this and we're buying this and we're buying this for the church. And we're putting the church's name on it because this belongs to the church. It doesn't belong to us. And if we ever decide to, if we ever decide to go somewhere else, it's staying. We're not taking it with us because it doesn't belong to us. That's the right mindset. I, I, I can remember growing up in a church and 40 years ago, my home church went through, a, went through a big major split and I can still remember people saying, well, I bought that and I'm taking that. No, no, wait, wait, wait just a minute. If you gave it to God, it belongs to God. Get your dirty hands off of it. It's not yours anymore. You put the money in the offering plate, it's his. 
I'm coming to that in just a moment. I'm just saying to you, this man gave of the first fruits here. And may I remind you tonight, I don't, I'm not even going to take the time to turn for time's sake. But if you went to Malachi chapter 1 and you read verse number 7 and verse number 8, verse number 13 and verse number 14, the people of God were bringing God things that were broken and worn out. And God said, why don't you try giving that to your governor? See if he'll accept that. And you're bringing stuff to me that I don't even want. Can I submit to you that when we do our giving, it ought to be first to God and it ought to be the best. Let me show you this very quickly. My goodness, look at this here. Verse number 43. So, his servitor. I don't know if that's Gehazi or not. I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. It doesn't matter. But it was a servant. So Elisha says, now you give this to the men that they may eat. And this guy says, what? Can you hear it? What? Should I give this before a hundred men? Should I set this before a hundred men? Now, understand this, that this command by Elisha did not approve itself to this servant's head or to his heart. Are you with me? He did, he, he did, it, did, it did make a connection. And this servant had no eyes for faith. He saw only that which the physical eyes could see. If all you look at is what you can see physically, you're going to miss a lot of things. And that's all he could see here at this particular point. So here's what he's doing. Don't miss this. He belittled the gift. He belittled it. He's... Not any, it's not going to work. It's not any good here. All right, so let me just say, a, let me just make a little application here very quickly. Anytime you have any exceptional devotion to God, to Jesus Christ, there's going to be people around that are going to ridicule that. They're going to mock that. They're going to, oh, they're going to criticize that. Oh yeah, that's, that's a given here. And the devil will, t will see to it that they're always what I used to refer to. I think my pastor used to refer to this. They are wet blankets. And if you're on fire for God and you're trying to serve God, they'll come around and they'll try to put your fire out because after all, we can't have you going bonkers out here serving God. After all, we can do that at an OU football game, but we can't do that at church. That just always irritated the fire out of me that we can come to church and we're going to have just so-so, but we can go to a football game and shout our crazy heads off. That wasn't in my notes, but I'm just saying to you tonight that here is this man and he is, and, 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 and he is, he is belittling what the man of God can do with this gift. So just a couple things here. Number one, that's going to happen whatever you do for God. It is truly inevitable because anytime there is an exceptional devotion or a dedication or faith to the things of God or to the work of God, they're always going to be subject to ridicule, mockery, and criticism. And if you don't want to be criticized, just don't do nothing. Don't say nothing, don't do nothing, don't be nothing, and nobody will bother you. Now, I want to point this out. Don't miss this. That the attitude of the servant was not, was not, was not intended to encourage and promote 
the work of God. Uh, I need to park there on that for just a second. Because I would submit to you, having been a pastor, that's what most criticism is. It's not to help the work of God go forward. It's to stop it. Oh, yeah. This guy doesn't want to go for it. Now, I just, I want to say to you that anytime I'm talking to young people, I'm talking to middle aged, talking to seniors, whoever you are, whatever you're at your, at this point in time in your life, I'm just telling you when you try to live for God and you try to do what is right, I'm going to tell you they're going to be someone that's going to come along and they're going to mock you and they're going to criticize you what you are doing. But I'm just going to tell you, just keep on serving God anyway. Just keep on doing what you're doing anyway. Now, the other thing that really it, that stands out to me here in this passage about this man is that Elijah said, he said, he said again, that was his response to the servant. He didn't back down. He didn't give up. He said, well, you know, I'm sorry that irritates you. Maybe we shouldn't do that. I think he was probably hungry. Maybe he was hangry. I don't know. But he said to him again, hey, bud said it before the men that they made. I don't know. He probably got a little emotional there and got in his face, I would just imagine. But I'm just saying to you, that sort of criticism can be very contagious. And I don't have time to go to John chapter 12 tonight and show you that how Judas, when Mary anointed the feet of Jesus with this very expensive perfume, Judas said, hey, we could have sold that and given that money to the poor. But the reason he said it, because he was a thief. He was a God robber. And you know what the Bible says in Matthew's account? Matthew chapter 26, verse 8 and 9. The other disciples also criticized. Yeah, yeah, I see that. That's right. That's right. I'm just telling you, it's always inevitable. When you try to live for God and do something, somebody's going to criticize you. But, but here's the second thing. Now think, if an unbeliever had said this, I could understand that. But an unbeliever didn't say this. A servant of God said this. Listen to me. A servant of God that has seen Elijah work miracles. He has watched his godly lifestyle. He has no doubt heard some incredible preaching from this man of God. And here he is belittling what this man gave in verse 42 to feed all these prophets. Is everybody with me? I want you to see this. I, I shouldn't be amazed. I don't, I don't really think that I am. But it always kind of amused me sometimes, not in the best sort of way, that it wasn't the unbelievers that gave me as a pastor the worst time. It wasn't the unbelievers out here that were criticizing my ministry. It was the very people that I preached the word of God to. Not, not a whole bunch, just a few. It only takes a few to make your day upset. <laughs> and the very people that I've tried to preach the word of God to and they've watched my life and, and they've seen everything about me and they, all they can do is criticize how I do what I'm doing in the ministry. That's a Judas spirit. 
I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I just know, only know what I know, but it only takes one. You don't have to have a whole busload for that to affect you. It only takes, it only took one for me. And I was ready to go have a pity party and sit under a juniper tree. Is everybody listening to me? I'm just saying it's inexcusable that, a, that, a, that someone that is set in Southwest Baptist Church, and I know, I, I know there are people in here, Brother Harrison, Brother Davison, Brother Gaddis, you've sat here and you've heard the man of God preach the word of God and you've watched his lifestyle and you've seen his ministry. Why in God's name would you criticize what he's doing? But that's what this, I'm just preaching the Bible tonight. That's what the servitor did. I don't know what this is going to do. Well, let me show you what it's going to do. Look at this. Look at verse 44. We're almost done. Look at this. This is good. So Elisha repeated the orders and he added to them the promise of the multiplying of the gift. And not only would the food be enough for everyone to eat, listen to this, there'd be leftovers. I like leftovers if they're my favorite leftovers. Do you get it? Okay. I like them. They're good. We can have leftovers for a week on some things and some things, eh, it's okay. But I'm just saying, they're going to be leftovers. And I don't, think they were, I don't think they were being picky here because at this time, there wasn't a whole lot of food because I meant to say this a while ago, because when they brought the food in, they set it before them immediately because they were hungry. So they're not complaining. So I want you to notice this. Just a couple things here. Once you get this, let me tie all this together. This gift of the barley loaves and the full ears of corn, this gift was multiplied when it was given. Had this unnamed man from Baal Shalisha, had he not given his gift, it wouldn't have been multiplied. Is everybody listening to me? It, it wouldn't have been multiplied. And this unnamed man discovered what a lot of God's people discovered, that giving to God is the most economical giving of all because ladies and gentlemen, you can't do any better when you give to God's program. Starts with the New Testament church. Back up, that's wrong. The New Testament Baptist church, let me make sure I say that right. I'm just saying to you, ladies and gentlemen, this man gave, and I don't know, he, did, he just gave what he had because it was a famine, but he gave it to the right place. I believe he gave sacrificially, and he gave what he had, and God took it, and through Elisha multiplied it, and it fed a hundred people. Because little is much when God is in it. Wait a minute, John chapter six, verse number nine. I love that story, I almost preached that tonight. But the feet of the 5,000 and all they could find was two small fishes and five barley loaves. That's all they could find. But Jesus did pretty good with that. He fed 5,000 men with it. Plus everybody else that was there. Now listen to this. Why would this even take place? It's very simple. It was necessary. This unmanned, name, this unnamed man here only had 20 loaves of barley, full ears of corn and the husk thereof. And from everything that I can understand my research, that only feed 20 people. That's all it would feed. Not very much. 
Verse 43 says there was 100 men there at least. So I want you to, I want you to get this tonight. Our gifts, our efforts, our works are not enough. It'll never be enough. You give everything you had and it still wouldn't be enough. But listen to this. If we don't have God involved in it, it'll fail every time. God has to be involved. And the only way, ladies and gentlemen, that you and I can do anything for the Lord through the Southwest Baptist Church is to take what we have and give it to Him, listen to this, and let Him multiply it for His honor and for His glory like only He can do. Because He can do that. And the problem, the problem is never a lack of power on the part of God Almighty. The problem is a lack of giving on my part. On your part. There are times, no doubt, we can be overwhelmed with our little and wonder, what good is this going to do for the Lord? I, I, I am convinced It'll take another world to figure this out. But I am convinced that there were little widow ladies that sat in the ministry where I pastored in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And they outgave everybody in the church even though it wasn't a great amount. Because they gave sacrificially. It'll take another world to figure that out. But you know what? God took what they had and he multiplied it. That's a wonderful thing about faith promise missions. If everybody does what everybody can do, I mean, it's over a million dollars now. Hey, it might be two or three million if everybody, if everybody was doing what everybody was supposed to do. I don't know. I'm certainly not the Holy Spirit. I'm just saying this here tonight. There are times when we may think, man, I don't know what good it does to give my tithe. I give to faith promise. I don't, I don't know what good it does. But I'm here to tell you that when we give to the Southwest Baptist Church, we give our tithe, we give to uh, Faith Promise Missions, we give to Moving Ahead, we give to other special projects along the way through the years. I'm just telling you, when everybody gets involved and everybody does what everybody can do, God can touch it and multiply it and make it last a lot longer and go a lot further than we ever could. Jesus talked about, or, or it's mentioned in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 down through verse 44 about the widow woman and she gave two mites and she didn't have a lot. And that's not a lot of money by today's standards or even that day and time. And Jesus is watching how all these people were just throwing in the money and throwing in the money. And this little widow woman came up and threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And Jesus said, hey, fellas, that lady gave more than everybody else today. Because she didn't give a tithe. She gave everything she had. And Jesus called attention to it. And Jesus can do the same thing in our lives. The smallest gift can work miracles when touched by the Lord. So what are you saying, Brother Rocky? I'm saying this. Give what you have. Let God tell you what to give. First of all, you just got to be honest and say, you know, I've been a God robber and I've not been tithing and I need to tithe. And I would, I would assume that most of the people here in this church that are members would tithe, but there may be one or two that for some reason you haven't got in on that. You're missing the blessings of heaven. And only that, God's going to get the tithe anyway. 
You may not give it at the church. It may be given at the garage or the doctor's office or somewhere else, but God always gets that tithe. You're welcome. That didn't cost you anything. All right, one other thing here and I'm done. Because there was someone else that worked a greater miracle than Elisha. And that was Jesus Christ. And I wish I had time and I'm going to take the time. But if you compare the feeding the 5,000 with what Elisha did here, it's pretty amazing. But here's the point. Elisha's miracle, yeah, it's about feeding these prophets here and getting these men. But I'm telling you, there's someone else that's the bread of life. And that's Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is truly, truly what can satisfy your soul. And he is the bread for the hungry soul. And what good would it do, ladies and gentlemen, to eat physical bread and die and go to hell? Would do absolutely no good. I just want to encourage you tonight. First Wednesday night of the new year, give. And it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, shall men give unto you. I'm here to tell you, be a giver. Be a giver. Do what God tells you to do. Be a giver. And watch what God can do with what, well, it's not very much. It doesn't have to be very much. It just has to be what God wants you to give. Like this unnamed man from Belshazzar that just gave what he had. And look what God did with it. He fed a hundred people with it. So I want to encourage you to be a good steward of the things that God has given you. I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. I thank you so much for your attention to the Word of God tonight. I'm just going to ask, I just, I'm just trying to be an encouragement tonight. It's all I'm trying to do. But I just want you to be a faithful, sacrificial steward of the things that God has given you. You ought to be faithful to give. You ought to give even when it's difficult. It's hard. You might be tempted to say, you know, I just need to hang on to this. I, I don't know. You ought to be a tither. Above all, you ought to be a tither. You ought to give to faith promise missions. You ought to be involved in that in some way, somehow. And by the way, it's not that you give a big amount. It's that you give. You're involved. And maybe somebody tonight, you need to give the first fruits. The first fruits. Give the Lord first and best. Maybe there's someone here tonight you're trying, you're, you're, you're seeking to serve the Lord and maybe someone's criticized you or they've looked at you the wrong way. And I'm just telling you, do it. Serve God. Do what He tells you to. Or maybe you're guilty. Maybe you're guilty here of criticizing the things of God or the man of God. It's going to tell you, I'm just telling you from personal experience, it's not acceptable. Not trying to help the work of God go forward. And you may think tonight, you may think, man, I just have so little. I, I, I don't have much that I can do. Be faithful in the little because little is much when God is in it. We've talked about finances and money tonight. But you know what? The same thing is true of your individual life. Whether you're a young person or whether you're a senior or somewhere in between, just give God what life you have and let Him take it and let Him use it for His honor and for His glory. Let's stand together tonight. Father, sure do love you this evening and I thank you for the Word of God. And I pray that the Word of God would simply just accomplish what you wanted to accomplish in this service tonight. 
It could be someone here tonight that's discouraged. Maybe, you know, about their giving. I don't feel like my giving's going very far. I don't know, Lord. I just, I believe this is where I'm, we were supposed to be on this evening for this service. But there could be someone here tonight in this service and they don't even know Jesus Christ, their personal Savior. They don't know the bread of life. And God, I pray that if there's someone like that here tonight on this Wednesday night, that the Spirit of God would bring conviction and show them their need of Jesus Christ who can truly satisfy their soul. Would you just have your will and way in this invitation time, I pray.